This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, welcome to episode 25 of Pints and Politics UK. Um, solo show this week again because, well, obviously Adam's been away for a while. Gus is also busy this week and I've been tremendously busy this week as well. So it's just about really getting 20 to 25 minutes really to discuss the main topics at hand over the course of this week. I'm currently actually in one of the main offices at, in my workplace and it's boiling. I mean, it's a sauna, 150 degrees, surely. I don't even think that's an exaggeration. It is so, so hot. We are in the middle of a heat wave in the UK. And next Monday, the restrictions are all off. Now, whatever you think about that, it's certainly come at a time where the weather is splendid. So I imagine those beaches will be packed. I imagine those outdoor venues will be packed. I imagine people will be out sunbathing at the very least because, wow, so hot at the moment. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the state of play in the UK as far as the weather's concerned. I'm sure you can probably get an update online or with your very wonderful weather people, wherever they may be. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's an uplifting start, I suppose, to, to, the, to the podcast, if you are that way inclined and love hot weather. Myself, I actually prefer a bit of rain, but uh, maybe that just says more about my drab personality than it does about uh, anything else anyway state of play that was that obviously that's very sunny very happy very joyful for most of you but the the main topic really this week which hasn't been too nice has been the racism that has happened as a result of the um well it's, it's come off the back of that's come off the back of the european championship final in which england played italy england lost on penalties and unfortunately uh, the three players that happened to miss penalties for england were all of black ethnicity and they were subjected to some horrible horrible um forms of abuse and yeah it, it, it i'll be honest i was watching the game live and that was my first thought my first thought was these three players are black they are going to be subjected to some horrific abuse, probably on social media. And unfortunately, I was right. Marcus Rashford, you know, done so much politically as well as on the football field. Absolutely abhorrent that he was receiving, or any three, or Sancho, Jaden Sancho, or Bukayo Saka. Three wonderfully talented players, three very young, young men, you know, who have a long career ahead of them and to get that kind of abuse is quite frankly as i say abhorrent and it's really brought a debate about the state of play with with regards to racism within the uk and it's opened a whole can of worms really that many of us knew were there and i guess really a damning indictment of our society a bit of balance to that before i jump into it of the I think Marcus Rashford got over 100 racial messages or, or messages of racism in wake of 
the penalty that he missed, only five of those actually were from people living within the UK, majority of which were from people living overseas. Not that that's, you know, it doesn't really matter where it's from. It's still abhorrent. It's still disgusting, but maybe slightly surprising in, in a way, you, you know, it surprised me certainly i thought there would have been a, a larger amount in the uk that did do that but i think i think it really shows the fact that very few people i think are so overtly racist like very few people would hurl levels of levels of abuse at a person because of the color of their skin i think very few people in the uk would be so nasty so overtly nasty that they would go out of their way to make someone's life a misery like some of these people on social media did in reality I, again i thought there would be more on social media but i think in reality the majority of people within the uk have a good enough understanding of of right and wrong to understand that anything like that kind of abuse would be crossing the line massively and that's why i think in in reality the majority of the uk know that and such instances i don't think would be too great across the board in terms of um you know necessarily going out of your way of course i mean there's still going to be a lot of people that do do that there are a lot of people that do have that overt level of racism abhorrent levels of racism but i think it would be a small percentage really when we think about it when we think of the 66 million plus well, roughly 70 million people that live in the uk i think we're looking at probably a percent or less who would go to those lengths which is still a lot of people by the way but i think again it that that certainly is a small minority what is a larger minority i think is the institutional level of racism within the uk and that absolutely exists it absolutely exists and that is that is more that also that comes very much under the under the definition of racism it's more to do with the way in which we treat people differently because of the color of their skin it's not necessarily overtly going after them or belittling them bullying them attacking them verbally or physically it's about smaller more subtle things it's almost a mindset. It's very different to, you know, I mean, as noted, I couldn't see a single person defending the attitudes of, um, you know, abusing the footballers. You would struggle to find, obviously there would be one or two, but you would struggle to find a person trying to stick up for or trying to oppose the argument that was discussed that was wrong. But underneath that, I think there's a more subtle nuanced racism and that 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 is institutionalized because essentially well it's for a variety of reasons we have i think akala the uh, rapper uh, i think it's akala i apologize if it's not um i'm not not a massive fan of rap to be honest with you but i think he he summed it up perfectly many years ago when he said there are a small group of elite people in the world or in the UK, we'll say in the world, who control a lot of things. They earn a lot of money. They, you know, act in a certain way. 
almost act without without attention. And it's not necessarily saying that they are breaking the law on a daily basis, but it is saying that they don't have the watchful eye over them and they don't have the judgmental uh, the judgment of the public because they're not really discussed. But these kind of people can operate like that because the distractions are in place to do so. So, for example, I mean, there's a wonder, well, not a wonderful, but a very powerful meme, or not even a meme, a picture of a man, a white man, a black man, and a CEO man or a corporate man, an older man, three of them. The corporate man has about 25 cookies. The white man has one cookie. And the black man doesn't have a cookie. And then the corporate man, or the, or the older, older man with all the cookies saying, says, that man is, says to the white man, watch out, he'll try and take your cookie with reference to the black man or the immigrant. This would be a way of distracting, I think, people from the real issue at hand. The real issue at hand is social inequality social inequality i think is almost an inevitability within society because you've got some people that will work harder than others you've got people who are more academic and more intelligent than others and people who just want to live a nice normal life as well but but unfortunately what you get is a really big social inequality and you get lots of caveats to the structure so for example you can have a cheat code to the top in which someone who is born into wealth or is born in the westminster bubble basically has a free opportunity or a clear pathway to an inevitable success unless they they'd have to try harder to fail than they would to succeed i think in many cases and there's something fundamentally wrong with that. There's something fundamentally wrong with being born into wealth. There's something fundamentally wrong with the model of society that we're in. Now, I'm not an anti-capitalist person completely. I'm not anti-socialist either. I'm sort of quite boringly, I guess, in the middle, taking bits from both and seeing the, the pros and cons of both societies. But what I am not a big fan of is the capitalist society that we live in now that doesn't necessarily reward well, it does reward merit. It does reward merit in some instances, but it also ignores it in a lot of others. If it was the same for everyone and everyone had the same pyramid to climb up, then there would be much... I, I would struggle to fault the structure of capitalism because in theory, you have to make tough decisions, you have to take risks, and if you do that, you go to the top. And that's great. But the different positions of the pyramid to which you start at means that the system is quite fundamentally flawed. If you're starting on, on level nine of that pyramid, then good luck getting to level one. It's very it's possible, but the chances are very, very slim. Whereas if you're born into the right bubble or the right family or the right, or, 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 into, the, or into wealth, then you might start at level three. And if you're really lucky, you might even start at level one. I mean, some of the people in the conservative government at the moment, you look at that and you think, well, yeah, they how are they there? And again, it comes down to the who you know aspect then. I'm drifting here. But what happens is the people on the, the bottom levels of that pyramid, level nine, level eight, level 10, whatever, we'll call it a 10 stage pyramid. They need 
a reason to be in that 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 zone they need to feel they can't be questioning why they're earning so much less than the top why they don't have the same opportunities as some people at the top why people at the top are so flagrant with rules that they follow day to day why people at the top are allowed to live to different rules than others we've seen that quite prevalently through the pandemic they need reasons not to do that and the reasons not to do that one of them in particular as as we know i think is down to race people in those positions of power can be can turn the the telescope away from them so to speak turn the binoculars away turn the eyes away by i guess i heard a really good um example of having two two sets of of i don't know groups or tribes getting a shaker and shaking the two together and shaking the two together they start hitting each other and bouncing off at each other and hitting each other against the wall through no fault of their own and then someone stops shaking it but you didn't know that someone was shaking that bottle and then all of a sudden you've got two different groups of people that don't like it they don't know why they don't like each other but they just they just don't get on they don't they, they see each other as scapegoating and that is absolutely a real thing or a real a real situation within modern day britain to an extent it's not necessarily that they're going to go after each other and start kicking 10 bells out of each other but it does there are small things there are instead of mingling you know having multicultural groups i'm very fortunate to be a part of a number of multicultural groups play football with a, a group of a multicultural multicultural group for uh, it's got white people it's got black people and what about you know one of my best friends as well is chinese as well so he, he plays when he's around so i'm very fortunate that that's something that brings you know lots of different cultures together but for a lot of people there is that trepidation oh you know i stick to who i know and it, i feel that is certainly the case as i say where i grew up and where i where i grew up for most of my time in the north in the northwest near burnley which is you know my wonderful football team it is a thing it is a legitimate thing because when things like this happen we do in in life we do look for scapegoat we do look for or someone who's to blame it's often hard to look at ourselves it's often often hard to re-educate ourselves it's harder to re-educate yourself i think if you've not gone the academic route because a lot of people in my area don't go to university they stay in this area for their entire life they get um get educated up to school level and do an apprenticeship or go into a, a job and they never leave and their their thoughts their feelings their values are dest are basically defined by parents family social media to a point friends around them who've probably not left the area either newspapers i know in the past the daily mail the sun they're two of the most widely read newspapers in the uk both of which have a interesting relationship with 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 the truth shall we say uh what i mean by that is not necessarily don't necessarily lie but they spin stories in a way in an angle politically that i'm not necessarily a fan of and i think they do they, they certainly have stirred racial hatred over the years now it, 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 
I, I, we were talking last week about political correctness, cancel culture and whatnot. And I said, you know, I, I try to be quite balanced and say that both sides have elements of it, have elements of blame that should be attributed to them. The left for being morally righteous and not really having much nuance in some of their arguments other than your this, that or the other. And the right, of course, um, for again, similar really to the left, um, claiming they have the freedom of speech and claiming they can't say what they want to say, but then really when you boil it down, they don't really have much substance beyond beyond that. It's just it, it often quite, you know, generally shrouded in hatred a lot of the time. But with this topic, I always try and when I, when I, I'm more left-leaning than right, 100%, but I always try to look at it from that point of view because I know where I came from. I knew, I know where I grew up. Uh, I'm, I'm living back there now uh, in my family home. And for a lot of people around here, they don't have the open mind. I, I, I've gone through, I, I was away from home three and a half, three and a half, four years. I went to quite a liberal university, a left-leaning university. I went to China, that opened my eyes to a very different kind of politics. And I've read a lot. I've read a lot of, of information. I've looked up a lot of philosophers, of political thinkers. I've listened to a lot of people. That's where my kind of judgments come. But the majority of people don't do that. They don't have the time to do that. They don't have the experiences necessarily that I've had. If they're just around here and they've been trying to earn money all that time that I've been doing that in terms of in terms of you know, a low paid um, apprenticeship or a or 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 built slowly working their way up in a low paid manufacturing job or even retail. I know some of my friends do retail. They don't have the time to be honest, to, to do what I've done to, to educate themselves like I have and to educate themselves like many people who I know have at university, I will have a very, very different conversation politically with people at university to people who didn't go to university and people that stayed local. It's chalk and cheese, it's incredibly, incredibly different. And that for me is where there is the level of, I would say, more nuanced racism is more apparent, certainly, in areas that lack multiculture, which is essentially non-city areas, because there isn't the education in place to promote immigration, to promote different minority groups, to promote inclusion of different uh, groups. And that's, why, and that's why we do have these tensions, I think. For example, every, I have heard many years, even with Brexit, so many arguments so many arguments against immigration, so few for it. There are many, many arguments for immigration. Obviously, the multicultural aspect, the fact that they actually put a lot of money into the economy, certainly more than they take out. The fact that they can make up for labour shortages in jobs that, to be honest, the average Brit doesn't want to do. Um, the fact that, and also the fact that when immigrants come over from lots of different countries, we are actually being a global Britain. We are actually welcoming in all these different ideas, all these different thoughts and feelings, and we're being more progressive as a result of it. We didn't hear many of these arguments. I've never heard many of these arguments. Certainly not the economic arguments. Even when you look at the economic arguments, you see the, the real value to, to a good level of immigration across the board. We're actually already seeing now the effects of not having some low-skilled workers from overseas from within the EU, particularly on our farming industry, and certainly within some other low-skilled sectors as well. 
unfortunately, as I say, we didn't get these arguments when Brexit came around, really. We, we I still don't hear these arguments very much at all now. And when you don't educate at an early age, you become vulnerable to people's dictating your minds, which is honestly why I think we don't get that education that we need in terms of racism, in terms of politics, in terms of even life skills, what we should get at school. You don't get any of that because then if you get that and you're suddenly thinking independently, you've suddenly got all these ideas about the world, about how you're going to live your life, about what you're going to do about your finances, about what you're going to, you know, the, the ambitions that you want to yield later on. You start asking questions about why the world is the way that it is, about why we scapegoat minority groups as opposed to people further up who are much less appetizing than some of those people in minority groups. Then you've got a free thinking nation. And really, you don't want, well, certainly this government doesn't want a free thinking nation because I tell you they would not be in power if, if, if they did have that. Because there are so many obstacles so many things this government really that makes them virtually unelectable and yet here we are in the middle of a pandemic and they are anchoring the ship now to bring all that back problem of racism in the in in uk compared to hungary and compared to you know other places russia even i think it's a lot smaller than that. I really do. But that's only one level of it. That's the overt level, might I add. In terms of the institutional element, I do buy into that theory. I've seen enough examples, I've heard enough examples of a simple level of discrimination across the board. I could go into many, many, many own personal stories about when I've seen this with my own two eyes and being embarrassed at seeing this with my own two eyes. But I won't do that. You can probably imagine. You can probably imagine. It comes in all forms. It comes with checking a train ticket seven or eight times as opposed to just having a quick glance at the white persons. It comes to a, it comes to having a, a general fear in a corner shop of someone coming in who's not, who's of a different skin colour and treating them differently to the the person who comes in i've seen it with a black friend of mine who came into a pub and was treated with a little bit of animosity nothing too overt but you could tell there was something a little bit in the air and you know i know people who i've worked with who are black who feel uncomfortable talking on the phone with their original name because people feel like it'll turn them off from potential clients in a, in a role that I formerly had. Um, I won't reveal the, the workplace, but it was, a, it was a really sad thing to hear that they felt that their real birth name would put off potential clients in that particular industry. Now, the potential clients generally were a demographic, demographic of working class people, I don't want to go into the field. I don't want to go into too much more detail because it would be a conflict of interest in my former employers. But it was re- it was it was really sad actually, and, and, and a bit and a bit eye opening to to hear that's the extent that he would go to in order to make sure that his business was profitable. So I do think there is a problem, and I think it's a lot more obvious 
outside of the cities. And the only way you deal with it, as I say, is through education. And I promise you now, if you try and put that onto a manifesto where you want to get elected to power, you will struggle. If you put the the rights of the minority groups, and I'm going to throw LGBTQ plus group in there as well. If you put there the education for LGBTQ plus, the education for uh, ethnic minorities, the education for general levels of politics, the education for sorting out your finances and being savvy with your finances. If you put all that into a, into a manifesto as to how to revamp the education system, they will hound you. You will be hounded because it's conflicts with the interest of many, many people across, across the UK, many businesses, many people who currently don't have the microscope on them, many people who prefer to have a less obedient group of people who are potentially available who are going to be voting in the in the, in the in the elections so good luck trying to get that through it's something that needs to happen it's something a radical shift does need to happen on that front but I, i'm very doubtful that it that it will in the short term at least especially now when you have you know a nation that's defined really by the biggest political enigma i suppose in brexit that, that that's happened in the 21st century within within the western world and you've still got as I say, that is currently the state of play in, in, in Britain. We are Brexit Britain. We are not really listening. We don't really listen. Many of us don't really like nuanced arguments. It's either this or it's that or it's this or it's that. Um, and that's quite sad. That's quite depressing, really. And that's probably why when I talk about, when I talk on politics, when I write about politics, when I discuss the current affairs in the world, I try and do it from a more central, centre-left perspective because, unfortunately, there isn't really much place yet for a moderate-left angle. And while moderate-left policies, certainly ethically, um, I've touched on a few there, implementing those into education would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's going to take a lot of work. I'd be fully behind it. It's something I'm very passionate about, as well as some things on the right where you could argue financial stability and, and just politics. When I even say politics, by the way, I say don't just teach left-wing manifesto. Teach both sides of it. Because there are some things on the right that's important to listen to. Making critical decisions, that's important to entrepreneurship. But as I say, unfortunately, we are not educating our nation to a sufficient level. That's not in my opinion. I think our education system sucks, really, in the UK. And I'm sure many, probably in the US, you might agree, and, and in other countries as well, you might agree. But it does not fundamentally set children up for for adulthood, whether that be in terms of living or in terms of ethics or in terms of how we should behave. It sets us up for none of that. Um, maybe, maybe how we behave, we wear a tie, we wear a suit, we're supposed to show a basic level of respect. Maybe it does that a little bit. But across the board, with respect to others, with respect to people different than yourself, I don't think it does nowhere near enough. Nowhere near enough. And it, and it, yeah, something I'm fairly passionate on. But anyway, we'll move on from that, really. And and, and my regards to the footballers uh, and anyone, really, who's suffered racism over the past week, particularly, as I said, those three footballers who got quite a lot of abuse. Not all from in England, again, I will stress. There were quite a few uh, hot, you know, abhorrent comments from abroad, but you know, it's not something we like. It's not something we like to hear. And yes, 
I'll just repeat, while Britain is not on the same level as some very, very far-right institutions, maybe like in Russia, where, again, racism very bad. I mean, in China, it can also be a little bit um, a little bit worrying, to say the least, I believe. Um, and also in other countries as well, we are not as bad overtly, but we certainly have a lot of nuanced racism uh, across society. That should not be that should not be forgotten um, at all. Yeah, I just want to talk on two more things now, really. Um, £20 uplift of the universal credit's been turned down um, or has been removed along with the end of the furlough scheme. Now, the furlough scheme is the thing that has seen the government support workers' wages up to a certain amount, covering 80% of a worker's wages every every week, every month, um, while the employer tops up the other 20%. It's been designed to help businesses. It's been designed to give, a, I suppose, some armbands to the workers who, um, who, who, who were in that situation who needed to be taken away. I mean, in manufacturing industries, for example, when businesses would have just crashed and collapsed, in the normal circumstances with the with the uh with the coronavirus pandemic it's given them a lifeline it's given workers a lifeline it's stopped mass unemployment from occurring and it stopped the mass closure of businesses now the 20 pound uplift as well that was with that it's it was designed really i suppose that's 80 pound roughly a month ish 80 pound a month and that basically helped people pay their food and their and um get get their get their get their essentials in for the week really it's not a lot of money but it goes a long way to helping out those with very little i was on universal credit like gus was like adam was we've all been on briefly um because we were graduates just around the time the pandemic was around we were we were you know it, it was quite difficult for everyone and the honestly we were getting maybe 300 pounds a month ish you know and it's a very hard system to bend really you can bend it you've probably seen reports of people who've bent the system but it's not easy you've got to be you know in a sad way it takes a lot of time a lot of effort as it should to manipulate that system and the truth is it's not a lot of money at all so that extra 20 pound as i say does go a long way it probably gets people just over the line on a weekly basis to cut that off i think is abhorrent now, the reason why they're doing it is because when the furlough scheme ends, I think the government, Rishi Sunak, will be anticipating a large uptake in the universal credit scheme because lots of people who were on furlough, who are on furlough, will be released. Will be released because the company then have to start a normal, start afresh with the, with the idea that the UK is starting afresh. And they won't be able to do it. They'll have to make redundancies. They'll have to get people, lay people off because the this, the level of work won't be there like it was pre-pandemic, pre-furlough. So that's going to be a lot of workers out of a job or big rising unemployment, a lot of people claiming universal credit. So on that level, it's probably, from a financial perspective, it makes sense. Cut the £20, cut the amount everyone gets because a lot more people are going to get it. So you have to distribute that out. Otherwise, theoretically, higher taxes. But... Or, or a higher budget spend and you have to redistribute money elsewhere in the budget. But the only thing I will say is the money has been so flagrantly used, so poorly used throughout this pandemic. It's been absolutely, it's been awful. £12 billion on the test address app that doesn't work could have been made for a fraction of the price and it would have been more effective and better used. And it was used 
And, it, and that contract was bought with Serco because Matt Hancock was friends with the person who ran the whole operation. That is atrocious money management. It is embarrassing. I tell you now, you won't raise £12 billion by cutting the £20 of everyone on the, on the universal credit. I'll tell you that right now. I think it's a bit embarrassing that the little people or the or the working classes or the people who are struggling are the ones that suffer for the governmental mistakes up top. Again, I will repeat, and it's the same with the with the foreign aid cut budget. The there has been a substantial cut in the foreign aid cut budget. Uh, it's received quite a bit of opposition from conservative rebels and from members of the Labour Party as well, uh, but it got passed through. Again, people make the argument that a lot of the money doesn't go where it should. So where governments, the government passed this money over to other governments in in less economically economically developed countries, and a big portion of the money doesn't reach the, the people it should do. That's true. But unfortunately, if you cut that budget and give them less money, then even less will reach the people that it should do. So that means even more people will be in poverty, even more people will be in dire situations. You might say that's bad on the government's part that they take all of that money, but you think how much of the budget, the governmental budget in the UK, how much of that is spent on levelling up the UK and making a difference to those that need it the most? Very, very little. In fact, the majority of it doesn't, the North in particular, don't receive, you know, levelling up is almost a myth here. There's a lot of words, a lot of promises, but we rarely see the... Any examples of this money being distributed fairly, we rarely see the money going to the people that it really should do. So all over the world, really, you have the similar problems. Of course, it might be worse in certain LEDCs, but we, 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 don't, we don't distribute that money anywhere nearly fairly enough. So a bit of hypocrisy there, I think, on that argument, I guess. Um, and yeah, lastly, I suppose, it's slightly shorter this week, but one of my longer ones, I think, for the um, the solo one. As I said, trying to trying to dissect, and, it, and I will I will say just one more thing on the racism thing. I'm a white man. I cannot fully comprehend the levels of racism that a black man feels, or that any ethnic minority feels, any member of the BAME community. But I only try and explain just the severity of the problems in certain areas, and try and explain that. Even though we don't have so much overt racism, that there is still problems that need to be solved. But it will, you know, as I explained, will be difficult to solve those problems. But aside from that, I'm going to final one really, and that's opening up next week. We're opening up the UK. Clubs are opening on the Monday, uh, Monday the nineteenth, I think. Monday the nineteenth of July. Clubs open, restrictions are off, but we've already heard a little bit of a small U-turn from the wonderful people um, saying essentially oh, you, maybe you should wear masks, maybe you should socially distance, maybe you should do this. And it's almost like a deja vu moment from last year where we got rid of the first lockdown and we had the same things being said then and then lo and behold we ended up in a traffic light system, we had a circuit breaker, we have more traffic light system um, restrictions and then we went into a full lockdown. So it doesn't fill me with much confidence. I'm very hopeful with the weather being as it is and with with a lot of a lot of industries on their knees and desperate for a, a pick-me-up. I'm very hopeful that it goes swimmingly well. By God, we all need it. But 
it's a very radical move. It's a very radical move the government put on themselves with the flagrant disregard they showed for their own rules throughout the entire pandemic. It, the Matt Hancock thing was basically the final nail in the coffin for the legitimacy of the rules and regulations they were trying to put forward. And they had their choice, really. Uh, however, it doesn't mean that they won't go back on themselves because essentially if the cases do rise and we do have variants and they do lead to death and the NHS does become overwhelmed, then we have to backtrack quite quickly. And I don't, I don't really think they planned for that. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Anyway, nice talking to you. Nice, Well, not nice discussing some of those topics. Really, really not nice. Hopefully I'll be able to provide a bit of insight, certainly from my perspective. I can't provide an insight on the abhorrentness of of racism even though i can say it i can't really say it with with the legitimacy of someone who suffered it but i can try and cover from my end just where i think we are struggling on that front and just where i think we need to go and as i say the heart and the root of the cause is always from the education standpoint and i'll always bang that same drum um that more needs to be done at an early age whether it will or not is another thing because of the obstacles i've already mentioned because of the inconvenience it will cause to a certain amount of other people anyway be sure to like be sure to comment be sure to subscribe be sure to do all of that good stuff hope you enjoyed this little solo session and uh yeah please do keep following us follow at pintable follow at the johnny bentley it's a bit more active i must say i'm a very busy person so at the johnny bentley is more active than the actual official at pintable twitter uh follow both um you know follow both follow me um and yeah see you next week where we'll probably have a probably have ghosts back. Um, but for this week, hope you enjoyed it and uh, stay safe during these very unprecedented, still unprecedented um, times in COVID in the COVID world.